Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me, Gordon Senior. Joining me this week is David and Matty to discuss our wins over Ross County and Motherwell, defeat at Istanbul, Kevin Clancy, VER, Unsung Heroes and Learning Curves. Enjoy the show. Gordon, how are you going to ask yourself questions? <laughs> You'll find a way. I, I do it every week in fantasy. Do it every week in fantasy. <laughs> no one's better than me. Uh, well, evening, gentlemen. Um, you know, you'll probably hear an unusual voice in the hot seat. And that's right. It's me, Gordon Senior. The voice of the Heart Review. But of course, Mr. Ross McLeod. I mean, we've got many names for young Ross. Fraud is certainly one of them. He's took a back seat. He's took some time off. So he's handed the reins over to me. And I'm delighted to be joined by David Campbell, who wasn't in Istanbul, because he's also a fraud. And Matthew Waugh, who also wasn't in Istanbul either. In fact, I'm right in saying, Matthew, that you haven't attended a single one of the group stage away games. How can you sleep at night? About £2,000 richer. <laughs> Touché. <laughs> Uh, anyway, to be fair, you probably saved yourself some heartache. I can't say the same for myself. I think I'm in the gutter now. And uh, two famous defeats, one famous win. Um, but listen, I survived. I survived Istanbul, me and Alistair, Mr. Hill. Another shout out for him. Um, David, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm not quite to the tone of £2,000 better off, but at least five or 600 for not going to Istanbul. Um, well, but yeah, good. All the better for having you here, Gordon. Uh, what can I say? What can I say? It's good to be back. But at the end of the day, you, well, you, you really kind of judiced me because you said you were coming to Istanbul oh. and you didn't. No, no, no. I said that I would love to come to Istanbul. But That's finances and work holidays were not... Uh, they just weren't there for me, I'm afraid. I had too many negatives on too many accounts at that time. And it would have been painful to, you know, compile the misery. That sounds no. like a pitiful excuse. It sounds to me that you told well, them you were going to go you left him, on, left him on a plane on his own. A plane, well, sure, it sounded like it was on time. I'm sure he was absolutely gutted that he didn't have me badgering him playing fucking the chase on my phone for four hours on Turkish well, Airlines. I mean, to be fair, I did get a, a sound night's sleep, so there was no snoring at least. Yeah, um, that's not me. You're the snorer. Oh, you are the snorer. <laughs> Didn't you start? One of the worst, I'll tell you. Deary me. business. Well, um, anyway, we'll talk a bit about Istanbul, but uh, we should probably discuss Ross County first. And uh, we ended our barren run of however many defeats in a row it was. Ross would know if he was in charge, but he's not. It's me, and to be honest with you, I don't know what our form, our form guide was going into Ross County, but it was pretty pish. Um, none of us went, which is quite incredible. That very rarely happens, and probably why we won the game. Uh, David, your thoughts on the actual 90 minutes? Yeah, well, I knew we were going to win as soon as I decided not to go. It's always the way it goes. Um, I thought it was... We only really won because we went 1-0 down because we barely came out our own half in the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, VAR stepped in to deny us to go 1-0 uh, down initially. I thought, OK, well, here's the wake-up call. And then it didn't. <laughs> and then they actually went 1-0 up. And then the wake-up call finally came. Um, and once we actually started going forward, we were the better team. Um, created numerous chances throughout the game. Um, I'm surprised how Ross County... I, I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago when they played us uh, at Tincastle in August. We tipped them to be a top six team because they actually played very well that day. But it seems to have gone off the rails for them. Um, Jordan White loves a wee goal against us. That's two and two now. Um, but yeah, I, I thought overall, I think we deserve to win the game. We don't make it easy for ourselves, obviously. Um, unlucky for Shanklin not to get that looping goal. Um, VR also stepping in for offside. But yeah, I think overall we deserved it. Um, it was one of those we didn't. It didn't have to be pretty. We just needed to get rid of that. Bad and run we were on, as you mentioned. Like you say, I can't remember what the form was, but it was ugly. There was a lot of red L's in there and not a lot of green W's. So, <clears throat> yeah, nice to go out there. In fairness, we've got a good record up at County. I don't think we've lost there for maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years at least. It's been a while. So, yeah, I, I kind of thought we would win that game. But then, I, again, 
wouldn't have surprised me if it hadn't won a game in October, um, a league game anyway, up until that point. But it was nice to end that run. And uh, yeah, it was a good confidence booster. And I thought it was a really showcased Robert Snodgrass that day for me as well. Thought it looked like he was the man who was kind of getting up to full fitness and was kind of controlling the game in that position that um, Nielsen's playing him in a little bit deeper. Um, and he's got a lot of influence on the park there. And he's kind of brought that um, <clears throat> kind of nasy mantra back where he's demanding everything from, from you know, his teammates. And, and they'll listen because the man's got pedigree and he's also a top quality footballer still at the age of 35 and he's still hungry. And I think that was the first game where I've really thought that he'd be, he was an, a proper asset for us. Um, so, yeah, all in all, it, it was a good day. It wasn't a pretty day, um, but we got what we needed. A big three points, uh, Matty, but obviously our traditional sluggish, slow start. And uh, to be honest, we, we, we could have quite easily been 2-0 down. And perhaps even when you look at VAR, we might have got away with one there. I mean, I think VAR so far in Scotland has been a bit of a um, mixed bag, would be the polite way to say it. I'm sure we'll get on to it later on as we dissect some more of the more of the games that we're covering on this show. But... They do find a way to somehow manage to make video evidence difficult in this country, don't they? It's incredible. I mean, how many cameras are they getting up at Ross County? Three? Because, I mean, they mustn't have had too many more. It was a strange sort of game. I don't want to dwell on it too much, though, because we're going to get both sides of it, really, with VAR. It was just nice to go up there and get a win. Probably the biggest casualty of the European run is not getting a Saturday Ross County away because it is the best away trip of the season. So that was a bit of a disappointment to miss out on that because I can't do it on a Sunday. I'm too old now. I'll just come back and feel like absolute death at work on the Monday. So a good result, a good three points, a well-needed three points. And it took us right back up the table. And I think that was probably the main thing to take from it all, really. The Ardle joke. Yeah, as you mentioned, we've climbed up the table now, obviously. Massive win, really, because I think if we had lost that one, we certainly would have been looking over our shoulder again and, and uh, we'd have absolutely had a wee gap between uh, ourselves um, Hibs and Aberdeen and the rest of the teams above us. But a good response, something that we've actually criticised the team for lately, um, has been their ability to come back from going 1-0 down when conceding early goals. Do you think, um, probably going back to the Celtic performance, do you think that kind of little boost that they got, that grittiness that sort of seems to have come back do you think now the, the the team's in a better place and they've got over that hump, David? Yeah, I do. I think they needed that. I think they needed, to, they needed almost that little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of confirmation around the team that you know they can actually compete no matter who's playing. Like we've got a good enough squad, and they just it, it just seemed like, like you said in the, the kind of the past month when we were one 0 down, we we kind of threw the towel in, um, and we didn't have anything. Um, at all on the on the park to, to get us back into games, and like you say, three goals against Celtic, you don't come out of the win. You're obviously frustrated, but I think it was the the fact that we competed for the ninety minutes. We were unlucky um, in spells. I mean, we'll, we could talk about VAR in that game. That was the real first showcase. I think it helped us in general. But my argument was that how uh, yet they didn't go down to ten men um, when they conceded that second penalty. That changes the game um, for me. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's, it's something the team needed. They needed, they needed that little bit of a boost um, that they've been lacking that whole month. And that really does seem like the catalyst for what we've seen uh, in the, the most recent two league games. Um, and it's good to see. Um, and, I, and I think as well, just like the kind of personnel we've got, I think as well, knowing that our big players are on the cusp of coming back, obviously we've seen Rowles um, briefly on, on, on Saturday, a Sunday there. We know Halkett's no far away. Um, and, and so on. And I think as well, it just gives people, the team just a little bit more belief. Um, not that I think that should have been an issue anyway, but it, just little things like that around the dressing room and so on can help. Um, so yeah, it was massive. Um, and it's good to see that it's not just a brief um, kind of, you know, uptick in, in, in form, then it's going to die away again. It does seem like now um, things are kind of back to steady the ship that we, we thought we would have um, pre-injuries and I personally think that even no matter with the injuries, we had a, we've got a good enough squad to compete. It was annoying me that we weren't doing that um, in some of the games recently. Um, so it's nice to see that, fingers crossed, and I do think it will, um, this form will, will, will continue. It's interesting that you mentioned Rolls and Halkett coming back there, and I was just going to come on to Cochrane and uh, Sibic, and it seemed like they kind of made 
a sort of decent wee partnership in the last couple of weeks. It looks like they've kind of settled into that defence and, and it looks a lot more solid than, than it had been recently. How much credit do you give to Toby Sibic, uh, Matty? Because he, he had got a lot of criticism um, of, of a lot of his performances, but it seems to he's, he's settled down and is kind of getting back to the player that we all hope that he can be. I mean, we've seen it in the in the Riga game. That was really when it first sort of started becoming obvious to me. Um, he'd had a few performances that we touched upon in the past. And like I'm sure the last podcast I mentioned him doing quite well at Easter Road when he first came back. But it was always going to take a moment. And I think we've managed to get a couple of those. The Celtic game, not so much for the defensive point of view. We had the Riga game getting the win. More importantly, defending well. We never kept a clean sheet, but we conceded a screamer. So there was never never too many issues there. I think Civic himself, I think the fans helped him massively. Yes, they were on his back, but you you sensed a turn in him in that Riga game. You sensed it in the ground. You seen it within his reaction to it as well when the fans were chanting his name. And hopefully he can continue that because he's got everything that you would need to be a very, very, very good footballer. I agree with what you probably say quite a lot, Gordon. I don't think he's a centre-back by trade. I think he can do a half-decent job there. I think he would also be able to do quite a good job at right-back if given the opportunity, but I do see him long-term as a holding midfielder. The problem is, is he going to get a lot of game time there? That's questionable, especially the way you've got Devlin playing, Snodgrass playing really well in the middle now. You've got Beningame to come back. He clearly likes Keogh. Um, you've not even mentioned Peter Harran who we've no seen since he got himself knocked out. So I hope he can kick on. I hope he can get some games. But where he fits, I'm not too sure, because he doesn't start as centre-back for me. You could argue right-back, because I think Smith's done, to be honest. And you'd go for that, considering an attacking sense. But if you wanted a bit more solidity, you'd maybe think about starting him there. But to be in a situation now where he is playing well, you have a little bit more confidence in him as a fan, and he seems to have more confidence in himself as well alongside Cochrane, who I'm sure we'll move on to, but what a difference a couple of weeks can make. What a difference. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, Cochrane as well, in particular, I I thought he was starting to get a little bit shaky um, recently, but he seems to have upped his game. And um, him and Sibic, they seem to have a pretty good um, understanding. Obviously, they've been playing a lot uh, with Michael Smith and obviously Kingsley before that, before he got injured. Um, <clears throat> I suppose in many ways, if, if you look at that defence, both of them are young players who are obviously still developing, but they have lots of potential. But it does show you that they can step up when required. Um, with Rolls and Halkett on the cusp of coming back, David, how strong do you think Hearts are now defensively? And do they still need another signing at centre-half? I think with our full defence back, I think we are incredibly strong. Um, we kind of seen that early days of the season. Obviously, it's difficult to judge. Before, I mean, Rails only maybe got a handful of games before he got injured, and we know that Halkett does rate we three months out with a muscular injury at some point. <clears throat> but I think you see with those two there, they were developing a partnership before their respective injuries. And I'd like to think that, I mean, for the five or six minutes when Rolls came on against Motherwell, I think he won about 11 headers and, and kind of felt like there was never anything going past him. So I, I'll show, I think that, for me, is enough to, to see how much we've missed him um, Halkett, it's all about just keeping himself fit for long enough. But I think hopefully with the, the World Cup break coming out, because we're not going to play him against Rangers and, and Livingston, it'd be reckless to do that, I think. So if we just keep him under close, um, kind of just, just monitoring very closely, I guess, over the World Cup break, keep him as fit as possible, get him back in after that. And then I think with those two at centre half, depends if we go back to a three then after that. I'd preferably rather we didn't, but you never know. Um, but yeah I think we are incredibly strong but you've got to say that we'd be foolish not to sign a centre-half because I think you've seen the damage we've done to ourselves not doing that in the summer in the last couple of months all it took was two injuries at centre-half and we we don't really have any physicality obviously bar civic but you're forcing in a left back at centre-half who is not the natural position they're only five eight five nine set pieces is one of our weakest areas to defend from so teams are going to exploit that, and they have exploited that. So it would be foolish not to sign another centre-half. Um, because at the end of the day as well, you know, injuries crop up all the time, and with the, the centre-halves we've got, they're like they're more likely than not. Um, but I think in general, if we can get a good run of games with our strongest defence, and to be honest, at the moment it's hard to pick 
who those four are. I think you can safely say two or three, but then you're kind of shoehorning. Well, you're you're unfortunately leaving someone out um, from time to time that probably should be starting. Um, but yeah, I think if we get a settled back four or a back five, however we play it, preferably a back four, I think we, we, we're a team where if we don't finish third, there'd be serious question marks. Because um, I think after that, we, we would have the third best team in the country. We do. If we can get them out and play them consistently, then I don't see us finishing anywhere other than third. I suppose the argument for bringing in another centre-half is, is what we've seen at Istanbul. And uh, in the end, I think Andy Halliday was actually playing centre-half at one stage. Um, the goals that, that we are still giving away, though, despite praising Sibic, Cochrane, um, Halliday as well, Michael Smith, um, still a lot of them were schoolboy, particularly at Istanbul. Uh, I was standing there um, in the stand. I said, <clears throat> as soon as they got the corner, I said to Ali, I said, these will score here three minutes in from a corner. And then they got the corner, bang, goal. Um, I said, there you go. Ali looked at me and he says, why? He said, well, why would you say these things? I was like, because I know the story. I know the script. I've seen Hearts a hundred times. I, I know exactly what's coming. And then I actually thought we settled down, played pretty pretty well, actually. And I said, see if, if we can keep it at 1-0. The longer the game goes on, they'll get a little bit nervy. And there could be chances here for Hearts. As long as they don't do anything stupid, 30 seconds later, they do something stupid and go 2-0 down. Um, overall, what did you make of the Istanbul game, Mai? In comparison to the rest of the European performances, Riga outstanding, obviously, because we were able to pick up the victories. It was probably our best performance. I think we were just a couple of individual errors away from... Maybe not getting the result because Istanbul were a very good team, but sort of getting a very respectable um, result there, especially when you consider that we did play a slightly more rotated side as well, as best we can, given the players that we had available. Um, it was an interesting one. I was watching it on a mobile phone in work, so that was that was a that was a new experience given the kickoff time. Um, but nah, I think we we started reasonably, and then obviously three minutes later we conceded a corner, lost a goal. Came back into it, threw away a second goal, and from there we were beat. But it kind of made it made me ask more questions about our previous performances, and it made me think: number one, had we invested slightly more and brought in the centre back like we were talking about, which I still think is necessary because I don't want us to get to a cup semi final or something, for example, this year. One of our centre backs has got a slight knock, and we're back to square one again. But if we'd have put a wee bit more money in, who knows? We might have been able to get some, probably not progress, but maybe get another wee famous result, a wee, a wee victory over Fiorentina and Istanbul, because I think the away performance showed that we had something there. It's definitely something to build upon if we can get ourselves back in next season as well. Yeah, it was, it was a lot braver, and, and I suppose it does make you question um, why they didn't approach, particularly the home games um, against Istanbul and Fiorentina like that. Um, and I guess that has to be the, maybe the disappointment. But we've heard the word learning curve used plenty of times from uh, Mercer Nielsen. Uh, let's hope that it's something they actually do learn from uh, coming into the next campaign. Um, in terms of the second goal, David, um, who are you blaming there? I've heard quite a few people say that they thought Civic should deal with it. I'm personally thinking Craig Gordon. Um, I, th I, I don't know why he's came all the way out to that because realistically, the, the striker, even the one-on-one, -on -one, you would still fans. I think Craig Gordon would still be the favourite. Um, who, do, who do you blame for the second goal? I think people are just blaming him because they don't feel like they can blame Gordon because they don't want to. Um, but of course it's Gordon's fault because not only has he came out for it and he's maybe the slowest man in the world. I mean, he runs like he's wearing jeans. But the fact that he then does a, a kind of swanton dive for the ball and misses it completely... Um, it was a proper rush of blood to the head. Um, I don't know why. Just, I mean, he ran, uh, to be fair, if he runs out and if he just kicks it, if he doesn't dive or do, try to do some sort of bizarre slide tackle, if he just kicks the ball with one of his two legs, then it's probably fine. But I don't quite know what happened. It, he clearly malfunctioned. Um, and I think it was his fault that he gave away the goal. Because um, as soon as I seen him running out uh, on the telly, it was proper hands on head stuff. I thought, oh no, where's he going? What's he seen? So yeah, I would blame Gordon, but it was but like my said, it was kind of just three basic, well two two clearly individual errors because the third goal was 
Cochrane's um, mistake for the really heavy touch on the left-hand side. Obviously highlighted Gordon's one there in the first one. I mean, it's a set piece, so it's whoever's marking him um, is fault for the goal. So it is just three mistakes that's three goals in a team like Istanbul. Basaksehir here will punish you for that. Um, so it's frustrating that it's came down to that on the last game. But like you said, it was braver. It was, uh, we, we didn't kind of throw the towel in. We kept plugging away. We kept trying to play football. We kept trying to make it physical and, and battle hard. Got our just rewards in the end with the goal. You got your celebration at least. I don't know how limbs you went. You probably didn't even jump. Probably didn't even take your hands at your pocket. But that's fine. Everyone else did <laughs> behind the net. And you're probably raging you didn't get a pint in the ground, as I've heard. So that's a little bit of rubbing salt in the wounds for you. I'm not to remind you, but yum, yum. But yeah, it was um, it was one of those. It happens. It's football. It didn't really matter. Thankfully, it wasn't uh, a game that was of importance when those mistakes happen. But it had, there has been a couple of instances where God's maybe not quite looked as, um, I don't know, as, what's the word I'm looking for? Just as unbelievable as he was last season. But I guess his standards were so high last season that it's only natural that he's not going to be able to, you know, repeat the feat two seasons in a row, considering now he's nearly 40. Um, but ah, it happens. It's football. Move on. He saved us enough in the past uh, season and a bit that you can forgive him for a, a mistake in a dead rubber, essentially. Yeah, we were probably spoiled with Craig Gordon last season, although it is worth noting that did make uh, <clears throat> two fantastic saves back-to-back just after um, that mistake. Um, obviously, he did save us at the weekend there. Just on your, your point about uh, the limbs, um, no, don't celebrate consolations. Wouldn't even celebrate a consolation against Real Madrid. Like, it's Diddy. If I could have left, I would have done. Um, 3-0 down, back to town. Um, credit to the club, though, actually, because uh, I thought the... The, the buses that they put on for us was good, fair play, because the ground actually was in the middle of nowhere. It was a good 40 minutes outside um, Istanbul, kind of city centre. Um, although it was a bit of shambles because we, we did generally arrive about an hour and a half before the game. Um, they hoarded us into the, the away end. There was no, like, places to buy anything, like food, drink, any nothing. So we were stood there virtually for an hour before the game. Um, and then a half hour after. Although I tell you, I nearly didn't get in at one point because turned up and there was a woman in front of me and she was taking forever to get through the turnstiles. So she's went to scan her barcode and not walk through the actual turnstiles. And so then, but I've obviously put mine forward. It scanned mine and she's walked in using my one. So I've had to call the boy over and but listen, I'm trying to get through here. She uh, trying to explain the situation. The guy thinks that I've got a forged ticket or something, but I'm trying to explain to him that she's went through using my barcode because she was too slow to go through herself. Thankfully, a guy that was going through um, said, here, do you need an extra ticket? Gave me his one. I just scanned his coming through. Um, but they weren't happy about it, the uh, the Turkish authorities, and they, and they questioned me quite thoroughly about that. So that could have got a little bit messy. And thankfully, I was sober and I managed to, explain the situation in my traditional calm natured self um that I don't know why you're looking at me like that I mean calmest man in the stadium clearly although I was very very close to losing the head but anyway uh, enough about that um 3-1 defeats out of Europe are you quite glad it's over Matty or do you think that we should celebrate just being there or should it be the case that right, it's over now, thank God, let's knuckle down and actually get back there and, as Nielsen says, learn. I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I am kind of glad that it is over, given the situation the squad's in, with all the players that are missing, not having the games. But at the same time, like, there's always going to be what-ifs with me with this European season. And that's, that's why I think it's so fundamental that we can get ourselves back there again next year to try and get rid of them. Because I still I still think that the um, the trip to Zurich or St. Gallen was, was, a, was a great opportunity. Um, I think the home games against Fiorentina and Istanbul could have been a lot better than they were. The away games, especially in, in Florence, we didn't do ourselves justice at all. Uh, but on the flip side of that, both the games against Riga were good moments. I mean... The away game was a big win. 
the the home game was good to get a victory and in all honesty we've kind of kicked on a little bit since then league form is why as well you've also got the fact that the club's made an absolute fortune and um, it'll probably be about 10 million pound of additional revenue yes we'll have spent some of that money i think i read there earlier today it's around two million the club spent all in dealing with that and obviously you've got your steering costs everything that goes along with that hotels flights blah 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 but it's it's a big big sort of chunk it gives us a good opportunity to try and get back there and i don't know about you guys but you've got the taste for it now eh? and once you've got that taste you just want it you want it again i don't want to be waiting when, when were we in liverpool 2012 was it the last yeah. one, really? 2012. I mean, we, we've been, as a club, starved of proper European away games. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm the same as you. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to go to all four away games and um, <clears throat> loved every single minute of it, even though we, we got pumped in three of them. Well, not pumped in the first one, but still still three defeats out of four. Um, and I wasn't even, I mean, raging, naturally, when you, you pick apart each game. There's plenty to criticise, but in terms of the actual trips, um, every single one of them was different. Uh, it, they were all in their own right, four different cities, beautiful cities, um, good food, good drink, just really good atmospheres. And I think in terms of trips, we were spoiled, but at the same time, we've been starved of them. And you're absolutely right, I, I've got the taste for them, and, and I, I want these on a regular basis. I've been so jealous of Celtic and Rangers. Um, I'm not going to talk about Hibs uh, and Aberdeen because they didn't really get Europe. You know what I mean? Qualifiers for me are just a waste of time. I'm talking about proper group stage stuff and, and the fact Celtic and Rangers, I mean, you remember some of the groups the, the groups that Rangers got in particular. I think they were like away to like your Villarreal's and a um, couple of trips to Germany and things like that. Um, so hopefully next season we can get to the Europa League and get, you know, three tasty tacks. But uh, but even if it is the Conference League again, I think it's something that the club absolutely need to be doing on a regular basis. Um, before I ask each of you your final overall rating out of 10 in terms of the European campaign, friend of the show, Young Hendo, started on uh, Thursday. Clearly not good enough to play for Hearts, but uh, anybody want to to big him up after he was uh, starting ahead of Shanklin? No. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> like, oh, genuinely, like genuinely. How old is he? Twenty-two. Yeah, can't even why, call him young Endo anymore. Why, why did Why did we give him a contract? Hmm. No, I don't know. Um, he huffed and puffed in fairness to the laddie, and do you know what? He can say he started a European group stage, you know, game, and and that'll be on his CV. That and Aloha's record goal scorer. Anyway, um, your overall rating. Out of ten, David, um, in terms of the campaign and how it's went, um, I think in general, just the fact that it's the first one we've had, first group stage campaign we've had in what seventeen years. Um, two wins, home games were a real disappointment, but I think overall, given everything about it, I'd probably give it out of ten, a seven, and I think for me, it's a ten, just because the away trips were class. Um, it's nice to have football on a Thursday when everyone else is at home and nice to have a Thursday pint as well an underrated thing about that a nice wee Thursday pint um, and I think as well a kind of underrated point of the, the European trips is that I feel like it's really galvanised the fan base as well because Hearts has always had quite a split fan base over the, uh, the last few years and you're never probably going to get rid of that every football club does but I think now you, you see the atmosphere at Tynecastle starting to get better I think the away trips have really helped that because there's, there's now this kind of core group of fans who really wanted to do something and create an atmosphere. Obviously, the, the Ultras Gorgi group now seem to be um, in talks with the clubs about getting somewhere permanent for next season. Fingers crossed that goes well because Tynecastle needs it. So I think that's really helped as well. Um, uh, actually, do you know what? I'll give it a nine because the hangovers were too painful sometimes. Um, I'll downgrade it to a nine. Um, but yeah, I think I think... For, it, it's not been it's not been perfect of course not we didn't get out of the groups and we had some disappointing home results but I think what it's done for the club and I think if next season we do it again and, and like you say the learning curves has been the most famous phrase over the past few weeks if we do actually use the learning curves and learn from them then I think it only really stands the club in good stead for what's happened this season So you're going with nine rather than seven? 
No, no, no. I'm saying nine from a personal um because oh, right. so, so, I gave it a ten. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm giving the club six or seven. Uh, generous. Um, it might be a bit generous, but I just think yeah. that, and I, I just think that it's it's been bad, but it's been nowhere as bad as I think it's been made out to be. Fair enough. We'll see what happens. Uh, Matthew, uh, I'd imagine you have a bit more realistic view. Um, your overall rating uh, of the European campaign? Uh, four. Four out of yeah. ten, I'd probably say. I think, <laughs> I think it, well, I'm only giving it a four because we won the two games in the group stage we should have won. Um, it could have quite easily been an eight if we'd have beat a team that's won two games this season. I mean, actually, I think they might have won like one more since then, but three games this season and got ourselves into the Europa League. I think for me, there was an element of missing out. I'd spent a bit of money on the wedding, which meant I couldn't do the away games this season. So that might have bumped it up a little bit. But in saying that, given how angry I was watching all those away games anyway, I think if I'd have went and spent that much money on it, I probably would have downgraded it to probably a three just for costing me a fortune to suffer. But <laughs> overall, I mean, it's a positive for the football club, but I don't think we've ever get done ourselves justice. I really don't. To be to be fair, I've been spending a fortune on hearts for years and, and been suffering. So um, Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd give know, that a three as well. Yeah, but I mean at the end of the day, <laughs> at least on, on this occasion it was done in nicer countries. Um and not, you know, the usual shitholes that we normally go to. Um so yeah, fair enough. Yeah, four and seven. I'm I'm going can't even say it's in the middle because it's not. I've went to all six of them. So anyway, uh Motherwell, big win, three two. Uh ten men for uh, about an hour of the game. Um we'll speak about Kevin Clancy and his incompetence, I'm sure, uh, in great detail. Um, but just how significant a win was that, considering the fact that it has popped us back in the fourth, right back in the hunt for third again. Um, big win, David. Oh, huge. It's kind of season-defining stuff, really, isn't it? The way the game went. Um, I think the league is so tight, and obviously it was similar to that last season, but we were kind of the team that had uh, split away from the chasing pack. Um that wasn't good. That probably well, it hasn't happened this season, obviously, for the reasons we've talked about with Europe and injuries and so on. And the way, like you say, it was such a momentous win because it's jump. It, you jump from eight to fourth in a matter of game of ninety minutes. It's as simple as that. And now that players are coming back, I think as well, winning with ten men, like you say, for an hour, shows real strength and character in the team to to battle back from not only going two 0 up, obviously the blip of going two two, but I think seasons gone by, and we've probably spoken about this with numerous Hearts teams, is that there would have been only one result, and it would have been three two Motherwell. So the fact that we managed to to flip the coin on its head, so to speak, and, and actually get uh, the third goal ourselves was huge. Um, and the fans played a massive part in that as well. It was good to see Tiny almost um, sucking the ball in the back of the net, like you see Celtic and Rangers do so often when when they're needed a goal. Um, and it was good to see that kind of really feisty atmosphere was back. Kevin Clancy probably helped that because he was the worst fucking refereeing performance I've seen in quite a number of years, um, helped by a fucking arsehole in the computers in Glasgow. So, yes, it was massive, um, and I think that will only stand us in good stead. Obviously, Rangers away on Wednesday. I've already written that off because Rangers love to take their anger out on hearts after a poor performance on their Saturday or Sunday fixture. But I'd like to think now that going forward... Um, we now, I mean, I don't think we should be losing many, if any, games at Tincastle anyway, but we'd lost already against the old firm and uh, fair enough, we hadn't really lost any others since, but I'd like to think now that we go out with every home game with that kind of intensity we showed, um, especially at kind of the, about the, but probably from the 10, 15 minutes onwards, I think we had to start the game quite well. Um, always, I know Motherwell had a fair bit of the ball, they weren't really doing anything with it. Just remember that Van Veen shot, but that was kind of the, the shot in the arm for Hearts because, Scored two goal, two good goals. Andy Halliday has to get a special mention for uh, becoming a bit of a goal machine. Uh, well, our aerial threat is a five foot eight left left back, left wing back, centre half, uh, left winger. Um, overall, just just a great, a, a really good day. It seems to be Hearts Motherwell's at home always seems to be quite a good game. Um, in in previous seasons, especially for Hearts anyway. Um, so yeah, 
season defining in my eyes, and I think that really is the 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 catalyst for for good things this season. Because like you say, if we'd lost that, I would have been fearing for uh, I, I can't. It would have been fearing for a, a poor finish this season, really. And I know that sounds stupid for just one game, but I think that's just the way this season's going to go. Yeah, one thing that was um, kind of praised about Hearts last season was their consistency and their ability to see off teams like Motherwell, particularly at home. <clears throat> um, this season, in particular, we've—I mean—we've already mentioned it at the start of the show about the Ross County game and how they had to show a little bit of character, and it looks like they've maybe got it back. I suppose that was evident in abundance. I mean, because I think it was. I read somewhere 2010 away to Aberdeen was the last time the Hearts won a game having been uh, reduced to 10 men. And when you look at the the previous games um, against, you know, Fiorentina, Istanbul, Rangers, where they've almost just waved the white flag, um, it almost, I mean, you could be forgiven for thinking that that was probably going to happen again after uh, George Grant's red card, Mai. Um, but Tremendous character and resilience shown by the team and a really, really good performance. Yeah, when Grant got sent off, I, I was feeling the worst, to be honest with you. I thought it was only going to go one way based on everything that we'd seen so far this season. I mean, we already had a bit of a patchwork team in there. Um, Cochran, again, had a great game. We, we touched on that earlier, but when you see him starting at centre-back, personally, I feared the worst. Especially when they've got players like Van Veen and they brought on Louis Moult as well. They're not they're not small guys. They think You think they're the type of defenders, not defenders, the type of attackers that are going to sort of punish someone for their lack of aerial presence. And I was concerned about our ability to defend set pieces going into the game. And then when we go, go down to 10 men, I actually think we got better because Motherwell looked a better team before, before we got the man sent off and they did it afterwards at least for a spell. And then get the goal, when we got the goal, it was huge. Um, great header, by the way. A side note to that as well, how nice is it having somebody like Snodgrass that can actually put a corner in it with a box? Like, the, the pace that he puts on, he puts it on in such good areas, he stuck it right on his head twice in, what, two weeks? He's done exactly the same thing at Ross County. And then went in a halftime, 1-0, and then immediately come out and get the second goal again. It was brilliant. Got pegged back back to two all I thought that was it I genuinely thought that was it I thought our substitutions were going to come back and bite us in the arse because it looked like they immediately had and then go up and get the penalty and actually have somebody that you thought was going to score a last minute penalty that is that's mental I've never had that or I, I have but you're going back to Paul Hartley and that was umpteen year ago now what 12 12 year when whatever Hartley left thousand and 10 or whatever, actually got somebody that can score a penalty when it matters. No, that's that's more, mental. More like, more like 2007 when Sir Paul unfortunately departed us. But, um, no, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Um, in terms of the, the actual performance, I thought Hearts, <clears throat> you say the Motherwell were, were perhaps a better team. I don't know if they were. I thought Hearts... I, no, I, don't, I, don't, no I wouldn't say they were the better team. I might have said that wrong. I thought they were better when we had 11 men than they were when we had 10. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'd, I'd certainly agree with that. I thought they, they, they did look dangerous without really forcing Gordon into any saves. Um, although, but I, th- I think Cammy Devlin, for me, he's, he's got to score um, that opportunity just before the red card um, when he gets two bites at the cherry. I mean, he really should have actually passed Shankland for 1-0. And I think if Hearts um, either score at that moment or have 11 men on the park, I think they thrashed Motherwell yesterday because I thought they, they generally looked really in the mood. Um, George Grant, was it a red card for you, David? I mean, it looked as if it was... It's not a red card in my view. I don't think it was uh, dangerous or reckless. Uh, I think the ball was there to be won. Um, and the fact that they obviously didn't even send the referee over to look at it um, would suggest that they uh, obviously wanted to save their man's blushes um, over another dubious red card call, but it really could have cost Hearts. Oh, of course it could have. Um, I mean, I missed it at the time. I was too busy looking at Rolls and clapping him, and then I just hear everyone screaming my hands on heads, and I see a red card being brandished. Um, I mean, it's refereeing incompetence again. I don't think it's a red card. Yes, he's came in with pace, but he's never, ever came off the ground at any point. Not only has he won the ball, it's, a, it's actually, you could argue, it's a good tackle. Um, 
I think, yes, okay, in this current climate, it's probably a little bit too strong, but I, I didn't see anything again for it to be a red card. But the problem is we've got now with this budget VAR we have is that it probably won't get overturned because we haven't got enough cameras to show a better angle of it. We've got the two offside ones that are zoomed out to about 60 yards away from the instant. You've got the main camera angle, which probably doesn't tell you anything that you didn't already know. But the problem is with this as well is that we've got this issue where we have one game on Sky Sports that's got about 12 cameras and you've got the slow-mo. We can't do that because our slow-mo is fuzzy and grainy because it's been zoomed in with a sports scene magnifying glass to figure out if there's been contact or not. So I don't actually, I know we've appealed it today, but I don't see it being overturned due to the fact that there just isn't enough evidence to show. Um, well, I, don't, I think the compliance officer will say that and that there isn't enough evidence to prove that a, it's not off the ground, that it's not this or that or the next thing that their criteria for a red card is to be downgraded to a yellow. Um, which is frustrating. And the, yeah, the fact that they haven't sent the ref over to the monitor, I, I, they're, they're, they're obviously are convinced that it is a red card, but what, what they've done is they've just got, they've shat out of making a decision because they haven't said to the referee, all oh, right, uh, well, you might be wrong, but we'll just stick with it because let's be honest, we've already made three minutes out of this to, to slow it down because we don't know how to work a computer. Uh, so we'll just leave it. It's nearly half time and we'll just get on with the game. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, VAR was never going to work up here as far as I'm concerned, just because, as I've mentioned, it's budget. If you're going to have something like this to get to get clear and obvious errors fixed, you need to have enough camera angles to prove that. And we don't have that. Um, so, yeah, for me, refereeing competence highlighted again. Um, and, yeah, it really could have cost us. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised it didn't, to be honest. Um, and that's testament to the team. But, yeah, shocking. And, and let's be honest, that was just the, the, the starting pistol for what was a shambolic day at the office for Kevin Clancy and his bunch of crony officials. Yeah, I was just going to mention that Kevin Clancy did have a poor game. Um, <clears throat> quite a few incidents to actually go through um, and sort of cherry-pick. Um, the main one, I guess, that's, that's been spoken about more than anything is Craig Gordon and should have had a second yellow card um, now, I've seen various angles of of the um, the penalty, and I'll be honest. At the time, I thought it was a penalty. However, there's a clear photo that shows him getting a hand to the ball before he's even actually took uh, was it Louis Mole out. Um, so that would suggest that actually it shouldn't have been a penalty at all. However, you go back to the first yellow card that he was given. Um, now he's he's the captain of the club. He's well within uh, his right to to come up and speak to Kevin Clancy, and he points to his armband as well when he showed the yellow card. I think that highlights that Clancy's lost the plot at that moment. He's his head's in the clouds. He's um, he's lost control of what he's doing, uh, which highlights how poor a referee he is. And we've seen plenty of times how how amateurish this guy is. And to be honest, we shouldn't be allowed to referee Hearts games. Um, but. You probably would question if it was the shoe was on the other foot. Um, the why Craig Gordon wasn't shown a second yellow card. Hutch probably should have been reduced to nine men. Um, how did you see that moment, Matty? And let's be honest with you, it's probably the the moment that avoided a Hearts defeat. You could say. I think it's a difficult one. Um, I can see the argument for the. I get the point of the first yellow card. I don't think it's a yellow card. Um, but there's been two or three of these already since the introduction of VAR. Obviously, we had the one in the Celtic game uh, when we got the penalty, the second penalty. For me, that's a booking. And the boy's already on a yellow card. But it was not given. Um, I'm pretty sure Marshall had one as well. With Hibs, penalty against Hibs. And he never got booked. And now Gordon's had one and he's not got booked. Um, I don't know if it's an interpretation of the rules that I've maybe missed. As far as I'm concerned, if you're given a foul like that, it's a yellow card. I know people talk about the double jeopardy rule, but as far as I'm aware, that only regards to straight reds. If there's no if there's no attempt to play the ball, then you'd still get a red card. But if you go in last man, that's what that's designed for. For me, you can still get booked. And I think I would say we got away with one because having watched the camera, the, the replays, it looks to me like it's a penalty. But it goes back to what David said about being budget VAR. Because that photo, the photographic evidence of Gordon getting his hand on the ball is crystal clear. And 
if you're getting a camera a cameraman able to get that from the side of the pitch, then what's going on? I mean, we've seen it with the we've seen it with Dundee United. That Tony Watt red card's an absolute disgrace. All it needed was one extra camera angle for the whole world to see that he's not even touched them and he's been sent off. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing up here? We've we've brought in VAR and I'll David right. Budget VAR. It is absolutely budget VAR. You're not getting correct decisions. You're bringing in technology. You're slowing the game down. And it's causing more controversy, which is the most Scottish football thing I've ever experienced in my life. I just, I don't understand it. It's insane. If you're going to bring it in, bring it in. But don't bring it in with fucking three cameras, one of which has got a worse quality than my mobile phone. It's mental. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, I think this was always going to be the case, wasn't it, with, with VAR? There was always going to be huge teething problems, particularly when you bring it in smack bang in the middle of the season. Um, it was never going to be plain sailing. And uh, it's week three, and dear me, it's always seemed to be speaking about And I imagine we'll probably be speaking about these same issues. I just can't wait until um, there's a goal that um, <clears throat> looks over the line that doesn't get given. And VAR are sitting there and trying to work out whether it's over the line or not. Because um, you just know it's going to happen very, very soon, and that'll be the one that that really tips the balance, I think, in terms of VR, and it will come. Well, you've yeah. just highlighted another issue up here: is that we've brought in VR before we even have goal line technology. Yeah. I mean, where yeah. is the where is the clarity of thought in that? And that to figure out if a ball's over the line, we can't use Hawkeye, which is just built into the goals in the stadium. You have to, like we say, pop freeze frame it on a grainy camera fifty yards away from the goal. To then not still not know if it's over the line or not, it's it's just unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. And spend five and spend like five to ten minutes trying to figure out as well. That's that that's the other Aye. thing for me. And what. then after that, there'll be three minutes of stoppage thing. It's like why 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 is it taking so long? I'm like because it's like watching like, you know when you go on YouTube and you watch like <laughs> Hearts highlights for like 2004, <laughs> right? That's what the VAR replays look like. It's 2022. Surely we can afford some fucking cameras in this country if we're going to bring in a video assistant referee. Maybe getting someone that can give you a half-decent video would be a good first fucking start. <laughs> you know, and get more than two of them. Aye. Oh. Yeah, it certainly would help. But anyway, I mean, it seems to have upset um, Celtic manager Ange Postacoglu, who, of course, was asked about uh, handballs. And uh, he seemed to suggest that uh, every single handball <clears throat> seems to be given unless you're playing hearts away. Um, do you feel that that contributed towards Kevin Clancy's performance, Matthew? Um, I think Kevin Clancy probably has Ange Postacoglu on speed dial, so I wouldn't be surprised if it had anything to do with it. But that's me getting into the realms of conspiracy again, and I've been warned about that quite a few times when it comes well, to refereeing in this country. That. We wouldn't want that now, would we? I think there's a clear agenda between um, Kevin Clancy and a certain other football club in this country for reasons that we're not going to go into on the Hearts Review. But everyone knows it. Um, it's blatant, and the man is an absolute cheat. And from what you said earlier, Gordon, I don't think he should be managing, eh, managing referee in Hearts games. 100%. Um, in terms of uh, someone that we briefly praised there, uh, it was Robert Snodgrass. Um, I was a bit dubious about the signing. certainly didn't overwhelm me, despite him being a quality player coming back from, from a decent amount of pedigree. But it just shows you that now that he is very much up to um, match sharpness, he is too good for the SPFL. Oh, 100%. And I think we kind of were probably underwhelmed by it because... We've seen the story of signing a 35-year-old that used to play in England to come up, and they can't be arsed. And they didn't put in an ounce of effort, and they, uh, you know, kind of just sort about the pitch and don't really do anything. Just, the exact say, opposite. just say it, Glenn Whelan. Glenn we're all Whelan. We're yeah, scarred know, by Glenn Whelan. Uh, yeah, we're all, of course, we're all scarred by Glenn Whelan. Trains, and then the, the other once 30... a week, Trains once a week, then heads <laughs> right back down to, to go back to Manchester again. <laughs> From. In the nuttiest agreement in football ever. <laughs> mm, seven grand a week, Jesus Christ. Sorry, but I, thought, I thought he was doing a very good job. I thought he was doing a very good job. Well, of course, like, I bet he played well in the Edmund Derby, the way. I was like, oh, piss off, honestly. Fucking bottom of the league. Um, no, uh, yeah, that, that's the reason why we've been kind of scarred for life for signing these uh, kind of uh, older pros who had a good pedigree. But you've seen... I think the fact that he's only really played, what, maybe four games for Hearts, 
He's played three 90 minutes in a row now, I think. And he was still in the 88th, 89th minute, sprinting about, forcing the team up the park, trying to press, make, tr- just doing everything he could to, to kind of get that last ounce of energy, not only out of himself, but out of the rest of his teammates. And that's exactly the type of player you want. It's a shame we couldn't play him in Europe because I think he would have added not only just a, a, been a better player, but some good experience and intelligence around the park. Um, that's probably the only thing that was probably frustrating, I think, at the time of the signing because we were like, well, why not play him in Europe? But the fact that he's been able to stay fresh in the league games and he's added so much quality to the middle of the park and I like that position he's playing. But in saying that, he's actually still got a decent amount of pace for a, for a guy at 35, I would have to say. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like it... it it just a totally gives us something totally different um, that we didn't have at the start of the season. And, and it does seem like that the sign is already, you know, reaping the rewards. Um, and it does seem like a good shrewd bit of business from Hearts. Yeah, and, and certainly the, the way he kind of talks as well, it sounds like he gets what the club's all about and and he feeds off that energy. Um, I think he mentioned something about this is a club that's built on values and traditions and and he's urging the players to kind of go out and create memories and don't take for granted where they are. Um, and he certainly seems like he's a, he's, he's a proper leader and something that we've maybe lacked since Nasey left. I mean, I know we, we done all right last season, but I guess we, I, I did sometimes question that we maybe lacked a couple of leaders there last season, um, particularly in the middle of the park. Um, I mean, all of, you know, Devlin and, Beningame last season in particular, you know, you had Harren in there as well at times, and obviously really good players in their own right, but none of them would you say were, were captain material. I mean, you wouldn't think twice about handing Robert Snodgrass the armband, would you, Mike? Absolutely not. Um, and to say that for someone that's been in, been in the club, what, two months? September, October, he's been at, been at the football club, and you're talking about already, put it this way, if Gordon's not in the park, Right, you've probably got Michael Smith, and then he's probably the next candidate in terms of taking the armband for me. Um, I, I do like him. I think he's got an ability to put his foot on the ball in the midfield that we've lacked for years. Um, the ability to go forward as well. He's allow he's allowing our midfield to actually get close and link up with a striker because when you've got Shankland in there, he's going to need service, and so are the wide men. They're going to need service, and with Devlin, you get a lot of energy. Well, whoever play, else plays in there, be it Keogh, be it Harren, be it, I don't know, pick another one of our defensive midfielders. Snodgrass gives us that bit of balance. Somebody that can go forward. I know he's not scored yet, but he's definitely an attacking threat as well. His set-piece delivery is exceptional. And it'll be interesting to see if, when Kingsley's back who takes the free kicks as well, especially if they're in sort of like strikeable, strikeable areas. But it's just nice. He never shuts up as well, and I love that. Uh, that's probably the biggest comparison you can see between him and Naismith. He never shuts up. He's constantly barking orders out. And he's got that authority where people are going to listen to him. And outside of Gordon, I don't think we've got that anywhere else in the park. Michael Smith's not the loudest, whereas Snodgrass just seems to yell constantly. I'm looking forward to hearing him on like a big dud game one Wednesday where it's crap and there's no atmosphere. So we can those games like usually Motherwell or Kilmarnock when all you can do is hear the person on the pitch yelling interesting to see how much he does because I think he's going to be the same as Naismith. You're not going to hear the end of And players need that. Yeah. No, they say, they, they certainly do. Um, someone as well uh, who also likes um, a kind of bark and a moan and who I think is, is a bit of a, an unsung hero and, uh, and a bit of a leader himself actually is uh, Hearts Review Player of the Year candidate from uh, 20, uh, 2020, 2021 Andy Halliday. Um, Two goals, two brilliant goals. Fantastic header, we've touched on that already. And then a, a second um, excellent strike. He's a man who, let's be honest with you, if you were picking hearts as kind of best 11 out of all the players available um, to you on paper, he probably wouldn't be in the team. Um, certainly not first choice anyway. But because of the injuries, he's he has been utilised quite a lot. It just shows you how important a player he actually has been, despite the criticism. Would you argue that he's maybe been one of Robbie Nielsen's best signings by? I think best, probably not. I think the thing with Andy Halliday is he's a fantastic 12th member of the squad. Um, 
he can come in and do a job in so many different positions in the park. And he's got ability. He's not quite... He's got a very good footballing brain, and he's got a decent technique, Andy Halliday, and he works hard, and he gives his all wherever you play him. He's, he's filled in at centre-half, plays at left-back, play in midfield. Christ, he's played as number 10 on a few occasions, played in the left, he's played in the right, he's played right-back in recent weeks. We brought him on at right-back. He's came in and played there when we've had injuries. And as much as he was, you know, he's had a few spectacular games for Hearts. The one against Hibs last season at Tynecastle. Um, he was brilliant at Ross County. Uh, he was brilliant at the weekend there as well. But you never seem to get more than less, less than a 6 or 7 out of 10 for Andy, no matter where he is. He just comes in, gives you 100% and just battles through the pain barrier and he plays everywhere. You've got to take your hat off to him. He's been a fantastic signing and not one that, not something that a lot of people would have said. Probably up until that Hibs game, I think the jury was out for him until he scored a couple of derby goals and it kind of swung a lot of, a lot of the fans around into his favour. So yeah, I think a lot of people are eating humble pie now when it comes to Andy Halliday and it's nice to see because I've always enjoyed, I've always liked him, I've always rated him. And he hates Hibs. He does indeed. He hates a few other organisations as well. Um, he is a good man, and he, of course, he was very much backed up by the the Hearts Review back in the day. Um, so we always knew he was a player. Uh, I'm sure he listens to the show as well. So, and they keep up the good work. Um, on to Rangers away, Ibrox Wednesday, probably the worst possible game we could go into, particularly when they've just been defeated. Um, probably licking their lips and they can't wait for their usual three points. Is it going to be any different from the usual status quo of going through Ibrox and conceding inside three minutes and getting turfed 5 0, David? No, of course not. We've all seen this, we've all been there, we've all had it happen to us. Um, I fully expect uh, the game to be over in the ha- in the first half an hour. Um, which is painful considering we're on a good run and they're on a terrible run but that's just how playing one of the Glasgow teams away from home works I'm afraid um, yeah they'll be looking for for, for a whipping boy and we'll happily um, get our scans done and, and, and let them do what they want to us I think um, unfortunately I hope not I really hope not mm. I really hope we go there with the same intensity that we've had recently and there shouldn't be a reason why we should be a confident team going there but it's just it's and there's no other reason for it other than that it's just happened too many times before, so I can't see anything other than that. It's obviously it's the proper like thinking with your heart in your head, mm-hmm. um, and your head some now somehow is now saying two things. Your head says, "Well, you should beat them because they're crap and we're okay," but your head says, "Well, it's Ibrox. You're away from home. You're going to get beat." Yeah. And it's annoying that that mindset's kind of instilled in you, but I just I, I do fear that. But I really hope I'm proven wrong, Gordon. But unfortunately, I just don't see it. Yeah, they 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 are a dangerous side, Rangers still, and and they've proven that obviously if you if you give them half a yard, they will punish you, and certainly they'll they'll be a wounded animal at Ibrox on Wednesday, and it'll be interesting. I think it's it's one that Hearts will need to go there and, and get their game plan absolutely spot on not give away any early goals. I think the longer it stays nil-nil for Hearts, the more nervy and frustrated the Rangers support become. And that just feeds into Hearts' hands. So they will definitely, um, can't do what they usually do, shoot themselves in the foot um, and, and give away stupid goals. I mean, we've seen it all before, Matty, obviously, and, and I would be shocked if we were sitting here next weekend uh, talking about our traditional um, thumping at Ibrox. But do you think, realistically, Hearts have any opportunity to go there and, and get a result? Do you think this is maybe the perfect time to play them? Um, I'm going to be honest, no. If I thought we had a chance of winning that game, I'd have bought a ticket and I've not bought one. Um, there is an outside chance. There always is. We could. We've got, we've got the ability to do it. The squad has the ability to do it. And if we can go there, not concede inside the family, even get to halftime at nil-nil, especially after everything that's been happening with them. And you never know, because the Bears will be out in force, they'll be grumping, they'll be moaning, they'll be getting on the team's back, and that's the best chance you've got when you go through there. You need to have them raging, because when they're raging, they boo everything, they hiss everything, they all smell, right? So it's going to be interesting to see if we can get there, but this is, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a result. I'd be pleasantly surprised, but I think it is a possibility. 
also wouldn't be surprised if we can see it inside the first three minutes and get absolutely battered. So I'm going to watch it. I don't even know if it's on real TV or if I'm going to watch it on dodgy TV. But um, if it's, it's dodgy, dodgy TV, that'll be getting watched on mute then. Uh, <laughs> not watching Rangers TV comments. Do you not want to listen to Tom, Tom and the boys? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> but that, yeah. who knows? The thing is, I'm going to sound really negative here, right? But see, after the Motherwell thing, I think we're in for a really good season. I just think we just disregard Wednesday and mm-hmm. pretend it doesn't happen. If we can go there and get a result, fantastic. If we get pumped, ignore it, move on, get one more win before the World Cup and be like, yep, this will do. We're in a decent position. Let's try and get third. It's a free well, hit for me. I, I was going to say that it is a bit of a free hit in many ways. Um, I mean, Aberdeen went there a couple of weeks ago and obviously lost 4-1. Um, I think, but and seeing that then Livingston, you know, the week before went there and, and got a draw at Ibrox and um, had they maybe not went down to 10 men, they might have even went on and won the game. So it shows you that Rangers, if as long as you aren't stupid um, and <clears throat> give away stupid goals, then um, maybe we've got half a chance. And if we can catch them on an off day when the pressure's on, you never know, Hearts might get a wee result. And they are certainly due a result at Ibrox, but. Whether we get one or not is a different story. And I suppose any result at all is certainly a bonus. Um, but I guess the, the, the big one will be Livingston. Uh, Remembrance weekend, a very emotional weekend uh, for the football club and one everybody looks forward to. Looks like it's going to be a complete sellout again, uh, which is fantastic to see. Um, how important is it that Hearts um, cap off this kind of, I suppose, first half of the season, really, um, with a win? ahead of the World Cup break, David? It's crucial, really, um, because I think if we don't come out with a win, then you could probably feel the energy kind of getting sucked back out of Tynecastle again, the kind of feel-good factor that we've kind of built up and we're kind of expecting this win and expecting a good performance. And like you say, on such a poignant day, um, always at Tynecastle, I think if we don't get a win, you could kind of feel the balloon getting burst a little bit. It wouldn't be obviously be disastrous, but it'd be a real kick in the balls, I think, for what we've built up over the last couple of weeks, especially... Um, and, and the thing is, it's never an easy game against Livingston. I know last season we 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 had we won three nil and and two nil, and we probably we, we played very well against them. But you know that Livingston are a very robust side. It's the same old cliche of you know very well organised, but it's true. Martindale's a good manager. They've got a a, a team that always fights um, from the first minute till the last. Um, they're going to want to. I know that I'm not. <laughs> I'm probably going to. I probably shouldn't say this, but they reckon that Tynecastle is abysmal, um, which is probably means they're going to win now. But I think overall, um, obviously it's a game we should be winning, but it's not a game that we should be winning and expecting to win before we've kicked the ball. We need to play very well to win. Um, and I think, I'd like to think that we go out there, if we go up there, start the game with a, a lot of energy, um, with a high tempo, then I think we should be able to do that. But I definitely aren't, uh, I'm not, you know, counting my chickens that we're, 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 the, the game's done before it started. Um, far from it. We're a dangerous Livingston can be. They love a shock result. Um, so we have to be on our toes from the first minute to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, Davey Martindale, perhaps one of the most underrated managers in the league, um, Matty. Um, Hearts did see them off twice, but they've already beaten Hearts this season. Um, massive, massive game um, come, come Saturday. And first Saturday, three o'clock kickoff that we've had at Tynecastle, I think, since the opening day of the season against Ross County. Um, Hearts can get the win. And then you look at, obviously, their, their fixtures after the World Cup break. It does set them up nicely um, to, to obviously go on a run. Um, I think if you look at it, realistically, the vast majority of the games are at home. I've mentioned earlier, consistently last season, seeing off teams like Livingston and Motherwell, with a key to getting third. Um, do you expect Hearts to go on and, and beat Livingston on Saturday? I think we will. Um, I think we will beat Livy. I think we've got enough ability in the team to go and beat them. Personally, I hate playing Livingston. Um, I think they're a, a nightmare of a team to play against at times. They really, really, really can nullify most teams in this league on their day. And they're, they've always got a threat up top as well. And they can always do you on the break. And especially with our defensive frailties that I'm not ready to kiss goodbye to just yet. I don't think we're quite overall at aim just yet. You never know. But 
if we play well, if we play with pace and we get the ball into the box for Shankland, I think we'll beat them. If we play slow, turgid, boring football, that just plays into their hands. It's what they're really good at. It's a, we need to start with a tempo, and if we start with a tempo, I think we will dispatch them. But it will be a tough game. Like you say, Martindale's a fantastic manager, one that I'd love to see at Hearts one day. Yeah, so so would I. Um, right, Ibrox then, uh, score predictions, David? I'll say 3-1 Rangers. I, you know, for, as my negative one, my positive one will be 0-0. Um, but I think realistically, I think Rangers will win, and I think we'll probably be 3-1. Okay. Um, score predictions, mate? I don't see us keeping a clean sheet at Ibrox, um, but I'm going to go one all. Mainly because yeah. I'm not going. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I quite fancy 1-1 one, one as well, actually. I think Hearts might get a wee result there. Either 5-0 or 1-1. One, one. Um, no in-betweens. Um, David, and then obviously uh, Remembrance Weekend, Livingston at home. What do you fancy? Tough one, really. Um, I really want us to give a clean sheet because it's been so long since we have at home, but... No, I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to say 2-0 hearts. I know I really shouldn't be sticking my neck out saying 2-0, but I think uh, I could see Raul starting because you'll probably need a game before the World Cup um, to get in the Aussie squad and start those games. So I'm going to say 2-0 hearts. Matthew? Um, I like that. I like that as a score, but just to be a wee bit different, I'm going to go 3-1. I hope that David's correct, though, because a clean sheet would be nice, but I think we'll win by two. Yeah. Hearts minus one on the coupon. Yeah, it's it's not a bad shout. I think Hearts definitely have goals in them, so it wouldn't wouldn't shock me if uh, we did end up winning uh, by two or three against Livingston. Um, But it might just be the traditional nil-nil. Um, who knows? Anyway, um, two massive games ahead uh, before the World Cup break. Um, thanks for joining us. I think it's been a pretty good show. Um, without Mr. McLeod, of course. Um, I'm sure he'll be back at some point, no doubt. But uh, again, thanks very much for joining us, gentlemen. And uh, let's hopefully we're coming back with six, six points. Who knows? <laughs>